Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was from changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of it all, all these getting started moments, and the lessons learned along the way. I'm truly grateful to have you here listening along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, I welcome in Kian Lagi to the podcast. Kian is a former NFL athlete turned emotional intelligence coach for world-class leaders. After almost becoming paralyzed during a football injury in the National Football League, Kian was able to start his new journey by looking at life from a completely new perspective. He dove headfirst into understanding what it actually means to live a life of fulfillment while achieving success along the way. Since making that decision, Kian has personally worked with over 300 people on creating a healthy relationship with themselves so they are able to escape the rat race of the achievement loop and step into a place of achieving massive success, impact, and money from a place of ease. He helps entrepreneurs and business owners regain a deeper connection with themselves to find more fulfillment in their lives. Kian has worked with world-class fitness models, professional athletes, Silicon Valley entrepreneurs, and C-suite executives. Kian works with people all over the world on being able to remove mental, emotional, and physical blockages that are preventing them from reaching their full potential. He helps extraordinary people who already achieve impossible goals to achieve what still looks impossible to them. And I'm excited to get into this interview. I hope you all enjoy my conversation with Kian. So without further ado, please welcome Kian Lagi to the podcast. Kian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining today. Yeah, Brian, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. Drop some some knowledge bombs, some awesome applicable information. Man, I'm I'm excited to chat with you. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you on some of this stuff here. I'm I'm really big in emotional intelligence. I love it. And I'm I'm excited. Like that's kind of a big thing for you, obviously, coaching around this. So I want to dive into that. Um, absolutely. I thought we could start though, and maybe this helps everyone some context with your background and, and you could share really whatever you think is is valuable. But I want to talk about gaining new perspectives on life, you know, looking at resilience and how we overcome that. Because, you know, obviously, at least some some of the research I did about, you know, you obviously had a, a really successful college career in the NFL, and then you had some adversity happen. I'll let you kind of share what happened that ultimately changed probably the course of your life and, and maybe to, to expect excel of what you're doing today. So can you start there a little bit, um, a little context for the folks listening in, and, and then we'll jump into some other things. Yeah, absolutely. So since I was in third grade, uh, the one thing that I told myself that I would do in, uh, I remember my teacher called me to after I made it happen uh, was that I was going to play in the NFL. And I had the opportunity to do that. And long story short, I had that dream ripped from underneath me. Uh, within 24 hours, I got told the best news of my life, which was that I was going to be a Kansas City Chief and uh, would have won a, won a Super Bowl and probably another after this year. But uh, uh, And then within 24 hours, I was told based off results of an MRI scan that I got uh, on my neck that I would never be able to play again. So never being able to play a game, uh, I went through that little uh, emotional roller coaster of being told that, yep, you're an NFL athlete. Nope, you'll never play again. Uh, so that's that was the, the big part that really, for me mentally, uh, was a huge, huge jump, like I said, 
And all I've ever thought known was that I'd make it to the NFL. So it was a huge deal when I got told that information. Was that a surprise, the the neck injury? Or is that something had you experienced over time you had some challenges with and, and you knew there was something there? What was the what was the genesis of that? Man, I, I love to tell you that it was a surprise, but it it, it definitely wasn't. Uh, and it was probably something, actually, I might guess probably, it was something that I was uh, undervaluing as far as how maybe bad it actually was. Mm-hmm. Uh, to give some context into that, I had uh, anybody that has played football before, they, they are familiar with the term stingers. So I had stingers is like uh, numbness that goes down my neck into my arms and even to the lower back and legs. Sometimes I'd get those on a day on a gamely basis, and even in practice, my last year of college. And uh, I started my last year benching 360 pounds and finished the year uh, doing 135 for eight reps because there's so much nerve damage in my neck. So I, I repaired it enough to be able to do well enough to, to like I hit like 20 or something at 225 for the combine, which was like in like five months, which was nuts. I had some crazy physical therapy and, and that kind of stuff go on. But I knew that when my neck irked the wrong way, like, oh there it is. Oh, there it is. But uh, you know, I was so good at masking and, and, and covering pain by that point that I'm just like, dude, I'm, I'm getting there no matter what I'm this close. Like, even if it's my neck, I didn't even really have any regard for it, to be honest with you. Do you think it's, is that a lot of ego in there? Just like almost out thinking, like, like I said, you're almost suppressing the pain as much as you can, because you had this vision of where you wanted to go. And you're like, I'm doing anything I can to get there. Even if it paralyzes me. Like, you, you know, did you even think that far? Or? Yeah, I, I guess I, the way my mind was working was that it never really gave as much credit as it, as it was due. So it wasn't that, Oh, I might get paralyzed. It was that, Oh, it's, it's good. I did my physical therapy and yeah, I got some of this sometimes, but I'll deal with it when it comes. Mm. So I definitely was something though, for me, man, I, I was a very skinny kid growing up and uh, I ended up at my biggest, I was 245. I'm like 185, 190 now. Uh, but it, it was the same thing with eating, right? You just eat, 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 eat nonstop to be able to put on the weight. No regard for hunger cues, no regard for for my body rejecting certain foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then certainly, I mean, since my true freshman year of, of of college, I started every game after my my sixth game, so until till the end. So I was obviously very good at blocking out all pain uh, that was being inflicted on my body. Mm-hmm. One of the things I want to talk about, and, and this comes up a lot in the podcast, is going from, and this could be going from, you know, again, one career to the next. This could be maybe from a relationship to another. Like, there's a lot of applications, but the transition of playing, just forget NFL, just playing football. Like, that's all you knew, right? That was it. That's what you loved to not being able to play football anymore. How emotionally and mentally were you able to overcome that? How long did that take? Were there practices that you did to help you? with that transition period. Can you share a little bit about that, uh, that journey? Absolutely. That was, and that was, let's see here. That was uh, four and a half years ago and I'm still actively processing uh, that emotionally for sure. And I've always been very good at being able to pivot and transition very quickly. Uh, But to give some context into how I felt right after I was told I'd never be able to play again, uh, I bawled my eyes out. Obviously I, I, cried so hard. And then I went and, uh, to a restaurant in Kansas city alone before I flew out the next day and had a cheeseburger and fries and didn't have to worry about the food that I was eating at all. And believe it or not, had a slight sense of relief, uh, 
that I was very confused about, but I felt. Hmm. So it, it was almost like this pressure that I had on myself, just like, whoa, just like kind of like pushed down and out. And I could feel some space to breathe for a little while because I wasn't putting that level of, uh, you know, everything I did was was built around mentally being able to get to that place. So that pressure wasn't there during that space. Hmm. Uh, but then when I, when I got back to South Dakota, where I'm from, uh, I hung out for a couple of days and I'm like, okay, well, what do I want to do next? And didn't really give myself full permission to grieve more. I did a lot of what, what a lot of uh, uh, alpha uh, um, high achieving males do, which is just kind of like boop, 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 push all the emotion down and yeah. say, what's next. Yeah. And uh, that, that's what I did. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I, I on a way different, you know, scale, but like when I was, when I uh, used to teach golf for a living, I was a, a, a teaching professional and transition out of the golf industry to something else. Like that was a big, you know, cause I was known as the golf guy. Like I'm imagining you were known as like the, the, the college athlete, the NFL player, like going to be a prominent player in the, in the league. Like you, that's what everyone knew. So it's almost like you feel like not only you're letting yourself down for not playing, but you're letting all these friends and family and everyone else that kind of almost relying on, you, you know, for that. I don't know if it, from a support standpoint, um, did you have a good support system in place? Did you have people you can reach out to and talk to about that? Or is that something you learned you needed because you didn't have that as much? Yeah, I would say I had the support system, but I didn't necessarily have what I needed. And my family and friends weren't maybe in the capacity to offer me what I truly needed, which was, was for somebody to say, hey, dude, uh, you need to sit the fuck down and you just need to feel a lot mm-hmm. of everything uh, that you experienced for the last however, however many years of, of your life. And not a lot of people are aware of that and know about that. Uh, but as far as the support system goes, my family's incredible. My friends were incredible. Um, but a lot of for me, man, because I quickly transitioned and moved to Miami, uh, the, the opposite of, of South Dakota yeah. in almost every way uh, within five months of that happening. So it was, there was part of me that's like, honestly, rebelling the, the identity that I had uh, for myself, which is this, this uh, you know, upscale, um, do the right thing, be an inspiration to young kids, be the guy that everybody looks to. And I was tired of that. I, I didn't want to hold that pressure anymore of having to, to maintain this role as the guy that everybody is like, yeah, let's, let's, look, let's look to Kean. Uh, and that's what Miami was. And we can get into that a little bit too. We can dive into Miami a little bit for me, but uh, a lot of it was just breaking out of the identity that I, that I had been uh, in for a long time that I, I was, didn't want to fulfill anymore. Well, did Miami help you? I'm assuming it had to get to that discovery or that idea of like, okay, what am I going to do next? And, and obviously talk about, we'll talk about coaching in a minute, but I'm assuming going through a lot of whatever you did down there um, probably helped at least realize like, okay, this, there's gotta be something better, something I want to do in my life, something, there had to be some epiphany that happened, I'm assuming. Oh yeah, a, a lot. And one that really sticks out to me, I actually, uh, I uh, was with a, a good girlfriend on the beach one day and we did, uh, we had a mushroom trip. So we took mushrooms and uh, the psychedelic mm-hmm. and we went in and um, I just had this huge breakthrough epiphany of, holy shit, almost everything that I've done in my life has been an element of gaining approval and acceptance from other people. I'm like, whoa, I'm like, I don't really even know what my favorite restaurant is. Like, I don't even really know the things that, that I love to do independent of anybody else. I'm like, whoa. And that was a huge moment for me because it was just mm-hmm. like, I don't even really know who I am. 
right? And being able to own that and accept that was so huge for me. I'm not going to say it wasn't difficult, right? And that's what I think a lot of people, especially when I'm, I'm not sure how far you made it in your golf journey, uh, but I'm sure you're successful in your own right. Uh, but getting to certain levels of success uh, and then having that thing taken away from us uh, and then being okay with not knowing what's next is one of the hardest things we can do because we're always looked at as knowing exactly what we're going to do. I make that personal. I always was a guy that was like, Hey, he's the one that knows exactly what he wants. He knows what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But when that was over, I didn't. And I feel like there's a societal pressure on a lot of people you know, that I felt and experienced for people to know exactly what they want to do and not be able to be okay with not knowing what we want to do. Yeah. And that, well, and something I was you know speaking about recently with someone is not having any expectations, just going into it and kind of being open and vulnerable to what could happen, you know, almost being surprised by things that you discover and not having this plan. Like I'm going to go from A to B to C. I think that's partially maybe where you're getting around. You got to just let life happen sometimes, you know? Yes, a hundred percent, hundred percent. But, but, you know, I'm, I'm a, a guy from South Dakota and, and what is South Dakota known for, right? We, we get married very young. We settle down we have our house and, and, and our family very young. Right. And that, that's the tradition and that's the values. And, uh, breaking out of that and giving myself permission to break out of that and and step into a space that is very unknown, especially what, I, what, what I'm doing right now, uh, was a lot of permission that I had to give myself. But I feel like I'm an example for a lot of people uh, that feel like they have to have it all together. But uh, being able to give myself permission to not is one of the most powerful things we can do for ourselves. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's one of the most powerful things we can do for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Was there any specific practices you went through, you know, for that self-discovery, self-awareness process, anything that on their mindfulness training or sitting in thought, I don't know, what, what, what did you do to come to a realization of where you were and where you wanted to go? Yeah, I just let, I just let myself do shit that was anti everything my old identity was, mm. right? Well, whatever I was represented, whatever I thought of me as who I was during that time of playing football and in college, I gave myself permission in Miami to just do whatever. I got into modeling. That was something I told myself I would never do. I, I told my cousin one day I was, when I was in South Dakota, I'm like, hey, uh, if I ever take a picture with my shirt off, put on my Instagram, you can whack me. Right? Now, now I'm signed with an agency, uh, which right. is pretty cool. Um, and, and even I, and this is the first time I've ever said this on a podcast, I was a stripper for a couple months. Interesting. Right? Never thought I'd do something like that. <laughs> right? Yeah. Stepped out of my, talk about, talk about stepping out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Right? hilarious experience. Oh my gosh. Hilarious. Great, crazy, wild experience that I wouldn't take back for anything. Right. But I just gave myself permission to do all of these things that were so outside of who I believe Kian was, uh, and going maybe to the other end of the spectrum a little bit to be able to, uh, really figure out what I wanted and what I didn't. Mm. And most of the time we won't give ourselves permission not to say everybody has to go be a stripper in Miami, yeah. right? <laughs> but, but, but go do things that are outside of the realm of who we believe we are to be able to then truly discover who we want to be independent of the thoughts, feelings, and opinions of, of the identity that we once had, but the other people that are uh, close in our life. Yeah. So how did this transition to you getting into coaching? Um, where, when did that idea pop into your head? When did, when did you realize like that's a path you wanted to go down? Yeah. So I was a finance major in college and thought I wanted to be a financial analyst coming out. And then when uh, football got done, I was like, 
Absolutely not. I'm not sitting in an office and I don't want to do that. Uh, the background helped me big time now, which is awesome. But as far as my full-time job, not a chance. Uh, and so really, I, I, I do actually take a lot of pride in this is that I, since football was done, I've only ever followed my inspiration for what I've wanted to do. And I haven't settled for a job that I didn't like. And when I didn't want a job that I was in, I left it. Uh, and so immediately when football got done, I, I just dove into what I was interested in. Obviously, I, physically, I was in phenomenal shape. And I could show people how to personal train. So I did that for a little while. And then I segued into more of the internal side of health for myself. Because uh, externally, I felt like I, I reached my peak. I was a freak, man. I was an absolute freak. 235 pounds, you know, 8.5% body fat, could stand underneath a hoop and, and dunk two hands. Uh, but internally, I was bloated all the time. I was, I was gassy, like farting like crazy, heartburn at night before I go to sleep. Uh, spot spotty uh inconsistent energy so there was all these internal things i hadn't dealt with that i'm like hey i i want to figure these things out mm -hmm. i then moved to miami and i was a personal trainer at a gym called equinox there uh and i became the through my own experience became the go-to guy for all things internal health related mm -hmm. and i actually came up with a program for people with autoimmune conditions and digestive disorders so psoriasis arthritis hashimoto's ibs crohn's and then just simple things like the, the heartburn gas and bloating uh, I created a protocol for people with those conditions. And uh, I got to a point at the gym in Miami where I'm like, hey, I'm never going to work for anybody else ever again. Uh, and I quit my job there and purchased an online coaching program to be able to go online to sell my products and scale that. Hmm. And keep in mind too, like the, the coaching program that I bought, I mean, it was half of the money that I had in my account. Like I had probably two and a half months worth of, of money saved up in living in Miami. Uh, and I just had to make it work. And so I put myself out there and purchased a coaching program. And um, whew, it was a lot. It was a lot going through that time. Uh, but I, I was successful and ended up scaling that product and did really, really well. And actually ended up moving to, to Colombia and lived there and was able to run my business online and still make it work. And then I, I hit a point in that business where I'm like, okay, most of these people that have these conditions actually have something much deeper going on at the mental emotional level. And so I started to do more mental emotional work with these people as I was doing it for myself simultaneously. All right. So then I segue from the internal, just internal health side of things to more of the mental emotional stuff with it. And then realizing that, okay, the, the mental emotional is like the core of all of it. Let me, let me dive into this. So I, uh, I went into that, primarily just that, and kind of moved out of the actual nutrition side of things and got om almost only into the mental emotional side. Mm -hmm. And then being around a lot of entrepreneurs and, and going through a lot of growth myself uh, and realizing that there's this niche of people that aren't catered to. And uh, there's a lot of people that are catered to that they can't get off the couch. And they're trying to be motivated and trying to make something happen with their life. But what about the people that uh, work their asses off and, and can't sit down? What about those people that, that, that get their validation and sense of okayness from their achievement, right? Which was me, I'm in that category, right? But everybody looks at those people and they're like, hey, they got it all together. That guy's got it all together. He's got the cars, he's got the houses, he's got the women, he's got the money, he's got it all, right? But internally, there's all this hurt on the other side of this external facade that we create for ourselves to try to justify us being okay in and of ourselves, hmm. right? And so I'm like, wow, like, these are the people I need to be working with as I'm going through this process myself. 
And so I just committed to that about two and a half years ago. I really just went in all in on myself. Um, I've had a couple coaches, one in particular that just, oh my gosh, he, he's, he's a mentor for me in this space, but also uh, does the work on me as well, emotionally and energetically, which is fantastic. Uh, but that's what I've gone all in on. And now I work with uh, badass men and women that, that are making massive impact and, and making a lot of money, but uh, want to be able to not leave themselves out of the equation mm. and to feel okay in the process and to scale that impact and, and scale that money without overexerting and overdoing themselves. Mm. So it's always been a process for me of really just like, there's something inside of me that's just like, I, I can't do something that I don't want to do and I won't. Um, and I just continually follow this chain of inspiration inside of me you know, since football got done. And that's what I'll continue to do too. I don't know what I'll be doing in, in three years from now. I might, I might be coaching maybe one or two people. I might not be coaching at all. Yeah. We'll see where the inspiration takes me, yeah. but I'm crushing it right now. And it feels really good to keep doing right now. Cause I'm really good at it. Uh, but we'll see. Well, what's interesting is you're going through this journey yourself. You're the things you've uncovered, you've learned, uh, kind of like the just get started podcast. The reason I started, you know, like I went through a lot of stuff where I was like, okay, it's got to help other people out. So similar to you, I think you've discovered this and I'm curious to, to peel back a little bit. Yeah. Cause this kind of some of the research I was doing, you talk about the, the achievement cycle, I think, as you call it, um, what are some of the things you discover like that folks listening in can pick up on to maybe have to convince them like, Oh crap, I'm actually one of those people that are ha- like, maybe they don't, do, do, I guess, I guess my, let's start there. Like, do people even realize they have this problem? You know, like, like they're, they're just full all in like achieving success, doing well. But then as you're talking about, they don't enjoy it. They don't have happiness around it. Um, it's all about just the next thing to complete. Let's start there. Yeah. And, and that's a phenomenal question too. And most of the people that get to me, they've had therapists, they've read a lot of books they've listened to a lot of podcasts and so and and they've hit a point where they're like okay i've done everything and there's still something going on inside of me that doesn't feel good uh i want to figure this out so most of the time when people get to me they're in that place they've gone through the ringer of of almost gone going through everything else but you're so right in the majority of achievers because achievers the last people that will ever victimize themselves right we take massive accountability for ourselves and our lives. So the last thing that we want to do is say, oh, I, I, I'm a victim. I don't know how to figure this out and I need help. Especially for something as intimate and um, close to the heart as our, our own emotional state, right? Most of the time, many achievers don't have other people in their life to be able to talk to and share their, their you know, what other people might say is like intense first world problems with. Right, problems in their their multi million dollar business, problems in in the, in their relationship with their their beautiful gorgeous wife, right? The things that other people, their friends and family might be like, "What are you complaining about?" Right. So not only do they not allow themselves to victimize themselves, right, but also friends and family don't do a good job of of being able to to create a space for them to do it, right? So it's a lot of not uh, giving space to be a victim, which is actually one of the most powerful parts about this process is that in order for us to be able to fully be independent as individuals, we have to spend a season of life being dependent, right? And most of the time, I think this will resonate with with a lot of people out there that are these high achievers, is that we never got to spend a season of life truly being dependent as young children, right? And that's where this adaptation comes from. 
is taking on a role, a very serious role, where we have to be the emotional stability points, right, for, for a, a, a close family member, uh, i.e. mom or dad, right, bless all their hearts, they do the best they can with what they have, right, just, just, just clearly objective, right, but we, we assume and take on a role in these relationships with our parents where we have to be the man, right, we have to be the one that, that has it together emotionally, uh, for our parents. And sometimes it's just the, the, you know, the, the luck of the draw with a rough situation that parents go through during a time when uh, we are in the womb or when we're first born. But regardless, it's, it's normally the child having to take on a massive uh, role of responsibility emotionally that a young child should not be taking on, not allowing the child to never fully being able to be dependent, allowing to fully be independent. So what am I saying? Independence comes way too soon. Right. And so that's why that victim mentality is very difficult for them to be able to embody and step into because it's very vulnerable because they've never been able to do it. Mm. It's almost if, I, if I'm putting the pieces together correctly, it's almost because you had to be so independent. You almost don't even make excuses. Like you don't even make excuses that it's like you just figure out how to get it done. You know, it's like it's got to get done. I figure it out. And along the way, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of throwing stuff this. I almost, I don't even know if this even relates, but I'm go, I was going back to your neck injury. Like you almost don't even want to make an admission that that was it because you were so focused. So like, I know what I need to do. And that was just one of those things. Like I don't even focus on because it's just, it's another obstacle in the way that I'm going to get past. I don't know if that relates or not, but that's what I was thinking about. You literally just hit like perfect nail on the head. Okay. Yes. Perfect. That was it right there. All right. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. I, cause, cause I, I do talk with a lot of folks around this that have this, um, this accomplishment. They've had a lot of things go well, you'd consider they're successful, but yet they don't enjoy the fruits of that labor, you know, which is, which is really interesting because that's the whole point. Don't you work hard and to enjoy that, but then you, when you can't enjoy it, uh, it doesn't make it obviously as special. I don't think so how do, how do folks find this space then? So let's say they've acknowledged that, all right, I, from books, podcasts, therapists, whatever, I got to do it. How do they start on that journey to find the space to open up to this idea? Any practices they could, you know, start doing today that, that, that you share? Yeah, definitely. I know this can be really difficult for, for high achievers, but this is honestly one of the most powerful, powerful things that if you can give yourself the space permission to do, uh, will give you the absolute most relief possible. And that's learning how to feel our own emotions, learning how to feel our own emotions. Because we've been so tuned in and sensitive to other people's emotions to know exactly what we need to do to get a certain outcome from the people around us, whether that be through uh, receiving love or gaining achievement, we forget how we are really feeling. And that's where the disconnect comes from, is a disconnect with our own emotional state. All right, so that's where you talk about getting that achievement, getting there, not having the feeling that we want with it. Well, it's because we're so disconnected from ourselves, right? We're so disconnected from our own emotional state. So, so what can we do with that information? Well, we can put ourselves in the position to be able to be receptive and open to listening to our own emotions. I know it's much more difficult uh, done than said, mm -hmm. but. Uh, that's, that's it right there. That that's where the gold's at. And honestly, uh, different plant medicines and, uh, psychedelics are a fantastic way to tap into that. I know MDMA therapy too, is something that's, that's incredible to be able to tap into that. 
Um, now, if there's anybody that's interested in that, I don't, I'm not like, Hey, everybody go do psychedelics, MDMA. No, I'm, I'm not one of those people. Uh, but if somebody is pulled to it, it can be a fantastic opener to expose our own emotional states to us. Uh, absolutely. Um, or just, just being able to, to, to get with people that we're close with and that we we're able to find a way to trust and just spewing a lot of the stuff that we have internally. Uh, because most of us are in positions where we're the one where people are, are uh, con- who are consoling in. So giving ourselves permission to be the one that steps in that vulnerable place mm. and really open up. I'm not talking about the opening up like uh, the, the, yeah, I can relate to you enough to make myself feel vulnerable, but I'm not actually being vulnerable with you. Mm. Right? I'm talking about the full open expression of whatever we're experiencing and being able to have it an open dialogue with people closest to us. Uh, so really, it's, it's just different practices that we do in that regard to tap into our own emotional state, uh, to be able to, to feel our own emotions as a byproduct then, being mm-hmm. less controlled by our emotions. Because a lot of people listening to this and hearing this might be like, okay, well, okay, I hear you. I can be tap into my emotions, but how does that, that get me more of what I want? And that's the beautiful part is that when we suppress our emotions and push them to the side and act like they're not there, they actually run us. They actually control us, which is the crazy part. Mm-hmm. Or we might think we're super pragmatic and I'm super logical and I don't let my emotions control me. Uh, but actually, whatever suppressed controls, which is the, the wild part. Or we might think that that doesn't happen, but our emotional state controls us whether we'd like to believe it or not. So by going in and allowing ourselves to be honest about our own emotional state, and I say purging our stored emotion inside of us through acceptance of whatever we're feeling, Hmm. On the other side emerges massive clarity, which is the beautiful part about it. So on the other side of the, the, the expression of the stored emotion of years and years of, of the stored emotion from neglecting our own emotional state allows us to step into this place of massive clarity and true pragmatic, logical thinking, right? But unless that emotion is expressed, that stored emotion in our body, then we're operating from a place of our emotions. And I'm sure a lot of high performers can can uh relate to this have periods of, of explosions we're like whoa what was that right? i'm always so controlled and i'm always so on mm-hmm. point but i might freak out on my spouse i might freak out and create chaos in my business right i, I might be do one of those things just because i can no longer suppress all my emotions and when i don't have the willpower anymore and i don't have the ability to suppress anymore it comes out yeah. right? in ways that we don't want it to come out yeah. right so, so, and also like <laughs> the number one thing for me was having a coach that could facilitate the space to be able to open me up to that. I still do it. I still go in. I, I'm my number one client. Absolutely. And I have a coach too, that I continually go in on with, uh, to dive in deep in my own emotions so I can be controlled by them less and less. That's why we do it. We don't do it just to go feel and sit there and, and, and hippy dippy cry all day. Yeah. No, it's actually to be able to achieve in a way that we feel good about ourselves at a greater capacity and have the impact that we really want to have. But when we have all the stored emotion, we don't have the capacity to, to be at the, the level that we actually like to be at. That's a, that's a great point. Let's underscore that a few times, because I think the suppression part is the big key. If you suppress, you think you're doing good, but the reality is it's almost creeps up worse, but having it in the background I kind of, my, my weird uh, visual of this is, you ever watch Beautiful Mind? You know that with, um, I think it was Russell Crowe was the, uh, the main character. But um, 
like he had all these visions in his head and had these, you know, these, these episodes that people think he saw. Well, like when he suppressed them, didn't work. But when he knew they were there, he just had to kind of understand they're in my mind, they're here, but I'm just going to let them be to the side. And I think that's a weird way of saying like, you have to accept that, listen, this is part of who I am. I need to improve it, but they still might be there. Those emotions, those tie-ins still might be there. But if I know they're there, I'm going to do a hell of a lot better job of acknowledging them and, and respecting them versus suppressing. And then they really come out and hurt me. I don't know. That's a weird way of saying it, I guess, but. No, it, it was a phenomenal point. example, a phenomenal example. And, and you, you talk about that, that delayed hurting from the suppression. Hmm. And ultimately one of the worst byproducts of emotional suppression is resentment. And what ends up happening is, is people begin to resent the people closest to them because Why? Well, we're not allowing ourselves to be fully us. We're the people that we feel like we need to be for the people close to us. And that that disconnect with how we, as our true highest self, you want to call it, wants to be and how we're forcing ourselves to be based off how we think other people will respond creates this. And the brain will never say, hey, we're, we're acting in a way that's not in alignment with ourselves. It'll always say, they're the problem. My wife's the problem. My kids are the problem. My friends are the problem. My business is the problem, right? Mm -hmm. And so it'll go to a place where we sabotage our business. People sabotage business. They'll sabotage their relationships. They'll sabotage their their, their intimate relationships. They'll push away from their kids just because their their, their huge lack of ability to be able to tap into their own state of how they really want to be independent of who they think they need to be for the people close to them. So that's ultimately the biggest one uh, that I would say that comes from it is the resentment that comes from the inability of being able to be authentic uh, with us in our, in our highest self, not being the one that we feel like we have to be. Hmm. Wow. Good points on that. I'll, I'll, I'll so I'm just going to circle it all, highlight it all. Uh, <laughs> I want to, just two more questions for you. Um, I love your energy, man. This is uh, I love you jacked up to get some really good insight here, um, which is awesome. I, I want, you said something earlier that I, I circled on my paper and I'm interested to go back to because you're like, you know, Brian, I may not be doing coaching in a couple of years and I may not be, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. That's hard for a lot of folks to not have that as we talked earlier, that pin in the map, how do you go about making decisions around this stuff? Um, Like, is there sort of a thought process of kind of, is it a vision statement that you, you kind of go toward, you know, I call it the North star kind of going toward, how do you make those decisions of what you want to do next? Um, Any insight into what's been helpful for you? Yeah, it's, (laughs) it's man, it's, it's been a lot of disconnecting from identity. Uh, disconnecting from certain elements of religion, disconnecting from certain elements of my identity of of Kian, the one that people go to for their emotional problems. Uh, Kian, the one that uh, likes to uh, receive acceptance and and be uh, pat on the back for his achievements. And so it's more so been disconnecting from, from many of the attachments and identities that I once identified with that's allowed me to, to fall in love with the ambiguity and the only consistent thing that we have in life, which is change. Hmm. And it comes through that practice of, of purging a lot emotionally and disconnecting from a lot of who we believe we were to then step into the place of being able to be okay with, like I said, the one thing that's consistent in our lives that's guaranteed change. 
So I've been able to consistently fall in love more and more with the ambiguity and flow of life. And that's really what it all comes down to. I know every day I'm, I'm, I'm learning to be more and more okay with, with the pivots of change and uh, being able just to flow with, with that. But ultimately that's where most suffering comes from is the attachment of a two identities that, that we have. And that's why we resist change because we use identities to give ourselves permission to be okay. It's like, it's the rocks that we grab onto to justify our okayness. But the scary part is when we let go of a lot of these, when I let go of Kian, the football player, when I let go of Kian, the, the one that's the 70 year old sage, right? when I let go of these, these identities, well, I got nothing to grab onto. Hmm. All right. But in that space of not having anything to grab onto is where we fall in love with space of, of consistent change and ambiguity, but it's being able to sit in the tension associated with not having anything to grab onto. And that's the place most people are afraid to go to as most people suffer like crazy, right? I'm not attached to what happens next. And I'm able to have a lot of fucking success in what I'm doing because of my ability to be able to detach from the outcome of how my coach turns out, allowing me to have way more success. So that's really all that what it comes down to is, is being able to go in. And now it's easier said than done, certainly, I've gone in so much of myself, man. Like I, I've purged, I've cried, I've expressed rage and anger. Like I've gone in so deep, getting myself to the place of being able to detach from a lot of things that I've I previously used to justify my okayness, right? But but that's what it is. It's being able to go inside of the deep, dark depths of our own mind and the pain of our own heart and feeling it and experiencing it and allowing ourselves to process it and accept it as truth. And then on the other side, allowing light to emerge on the end of the tunnel. Right, always does show up, but going to that scary place inside the depths of our own minds is the scariest thing that we can possibly do. Mm. All right. Well, I want to end on this then, um, and, and probably in relation to how you're just talking there, which is cool, but I want you to go back to your younger self. So let's go back to the teenage key and let's go, maybe it's freshman year, right? Mm. You're, you, you just got your locker, you got your football locker. I want you, you're putting a post-it note in there, something to help you day in and day out, the best piece of advice you can share to that younger self. Uh, what are you going to share with them uh, as a lasting impression for their life? Mm. 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 Oh yeah. You, you can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. Right, well, what, what is right for me? I can't mess up. And I think, I, I don't think, I know I put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure I was able to be what I needed to be to get what I wanted. And that came from a place of lacking trust and um, caused me to put a lot of pressure on myself at times when I didn't need to or didn't have to. And I think that would be definitely the, the post note would be, you can't mess it up. You can't mess it up. Yeah. Does that go back to kind of what you were saying before is that openness of just kind of, you're not having anything to grab onto. It's like, just take what the world gives you and, and be okay with it. Yeah, certainly. And, and, and I would say for me, because I come from that, that background of the pressure and achievement and I, I've embodied hard work and discipline my whole life, that definitely applies to me. And for other people that are high achievers that are in the same space that, that, that have a harder time sitting down than they do standing up and getting off their ass, it would apply to as well. 
but for other people that don't like, dude, like I was, I was getting up at, at, uh, 5 30 AM every day in the summer since eighth grade by myself without my parents doing anything. My parents say I was the one that pushed myself the whole time. Right. But for other people that have a hard time being able to get off the couch and being motivated, that's a different camp, right? That's a lot more accountability. That's a lot more, uh, practice of self-discipline. That's a lot more stepping into routine. That's a lot more creating that for themselves. Right. So it's a little different camps. Uh, but for the people that come from the same space that I did of, Hey, I, I already put so much pressure on myself to have to like be the best and really like push, 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 push. Uh, I would say that sticky note applies to me. Okay. And this is awesome, man. Where, where do you want everyone to connect with you online? Where's the best spot they could, uh, they could chat with you, send you a note, whatever. Yeah, you can uh, follow me on Instagram, kian.loggy, and I know you'll uh, you put the spelling for that in the show notes. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but then also my website, kianloggy.com. Those are two great spots. Uh, but contacting me, Instagram is definitely uh, ideal. Awesome. Thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, the conversation, Kian. Thank you so much for coming on, and uh, good luck to you. Hope you keep in touch in the future. Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you so much for having me on and creating the space to have an awesome podcast episode. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by the Just Get Started podcast. Uh, Grateful to have you here. And if I could just make one quick ask before you run along on your day. You know, I've grown this podcast organically over the last three plus years. And it's from the great listeners that pick up, you know, a quote or a key learning or just enjoy the entertainment of the podcast and they share it out to their audience. They leave a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, and I'd ask that for you as well. If you've made it to this point and are listening in, um, a lot of the podcast uh, platforms that you listen on have a share button right there where you can share it out to your audience on various platforms. So I would be so appreciative if you wouldn't mind taking a quick second to do that um, if you really enjoyed this episode. So thanks again. I'm happy to connect online. I always love to meet new people. So if you want to go to my website, brianandraco.com, or connect with me, I'm at Brian Andreco, basically everywhere on Instagram, Twitter, even Clubhouse, that new app that's out there, uh, you name it. So uh, follow me online and uh, certainly look forward to connecting further. I hope you all have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Mm-hmm.